Hey there, welcome to another episode of Close to the Vest. My name is Arthur Ettinger, where we talk about everything and anything relationship-wise. Today is a really awesome episode. I know it's going to be awesome because I have wanted to do this episode for a really long time with um, someone who started out as a client and be, has become uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mike Rand. Mike, thanks so much for coming. No, thank you for having me, Arthur. You know, a lot of people, there's books written about this. Um, there are keychains and bumper stickers. Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. You truly personify don't sweat the small stuff. And this comes up a lot in what I do as a matrimonial lawyer. And I, one of my favorite movies to just keep going with the cliches is Shawshank Redemption. And the one of the most famous lines in Shawshank is get busy living or get busy dying. And um, you truly are an inspiration. And I can't wait for you to tell your story to uh, my listeners because so many people get caught up in the shit and during, especially during a divorce. And it's very easy to focus on the negative because there's quite honestly, just a lot of negative when you're going through a breakup. And so you are an inspiration in so many ways. Okay. I tell people about you all the time. And so I just want to, uh, that's a lot of build up, just so you know. So you have a lot of pressure on you to make this podcast really awesome. Um, I'm joking with you. Well, I was hoping to give me an internship at the law firm. So whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. Um, so, Mike, I'd love for you to just tell your background. Um, you know, you're paralyzed from the neck down. I was paralyzed from the chest down. chest down. I was actually a quadriplegic for a few days. I had a uh, massive tumor inside my spinal cord from T1 to T5. So basically, uh, half my spine's now mine. I'm fused together, held in three sections. I had a 14-hour surgery. Um, almost died on the table. I was put into a, a medical-induced coma. Um, was in special... Surgery ICU for 12 days and then in the hospital for about another 40. Um, you really, you know, you just took the, we were really high. I was like building up and then you just went right into it. It's amazing. And I, and I want you to go into detail with that to a certain degree. So I don't, I don't want you to go in too much detail because I'm really a baby when it comes to like those kind of stories and I'll faint. But, um, you weren't, you didn't always have these uh, physical disabilities. And so can you just kind of go back and give some background, what you used to do and what happened? Oh, well, I used to um, be into all type of physical activities. I used to work out four to six days a week, played golf like three days a week, um, you know, had my own businesses, you know, life couldn't be any better. Um, my back was bothering me for a while, um, went for a MRI. Um, my ex-wife and I went to a neurosurgeon. The first neurosurgeon saw my MRI, said I can't do the surgery because the tumor's inside the spinal cord. There's one guy who's a pioneer. They called him into the, you know, into the medical office. 
said the first day we get together, you're going for surgery, otherwise you're going to die. And this was just, you had some back pain? Just massive back pain. I, I guess I was able to suck it up. I was, I was tougher than I look, and uh, I guess when I got to the doctors, you know, for the neurosurgeon, it was a little bit too late. It's just it's just wild your story and and at the time so you were you're you're still an active guy I know you still work out and you lift weights when you can and um and I see you you know you post on social media a lot about that. I don't mean to interrupt you but if you want to get through a divorce exercise that's all I have to say you your bench press goes up a lot higher with all the stress and that's fair. And so, and I know you used to be in like the jewel family jewelry business. Correct. And you, I know you played a lot of golf. We used to talk about that yeah. a lot when your case was going on, because you know I, uh, I like to hack. And and then so this happened, and you just have some some back pains, and never thought in a million years that this was what you were going to be told. No, I thought I'd end up going for an epidural or a nerve block, and I'd be fine. And Nothing would ever happen of it. And when I went for um, for the neurosurgeon, when they opened me up, it was a lot worse than the MRI looked. So that's why they knew I lost motor right away on the table, and they knew it was bad. And uh, How old were you at the time? 43 years old. Jesus. So you're 43, and how long had you been married? I was married... I got Married 12 years when I was divorced. So I'm going to guess about it, seven years approximately. But my my wedding, my marriage went totally downhill after the surgery. You know, I guess my ex thought it was like a knee surgery where six, eight weeks, you're better. But unfortunately, when you have spinal cord surgery, you never fully recover. And I, like I said, I am a miracle because I'm back up on my feet and I live a good life. Like I said, I drive, I run all over with my kids. Tell the listeners about your cars. Oh, well, I love, well, love that. Well, when I was going through my divorce, I didn't... Well, I, before my divorce, I couldn't drive for a while. And um, I had to go take driver's lessons and had a Maserati sitting in the garage for like four years. So I took it to get hand controls and they, they're looking at me like, you sure you want to put hand controls in this car? And I said, what else am I going to drive? And um, it was quite comical because all you see is the handicapped vans with the lips. You don't see, you know, sports cars there. And, and, you know, that's such a beautiful story because, like, just because something happens to you, you know, you said it before um, when we were talking, quoted Rocky. What's the line you quoted? With me, it's always like, it's not how hard you get hit, it's how hard you get hit and keep on coming. Yeah, I love that. And you, you know, you said... I'm going to drive my car. I'm going to drive my sports car. I and like I said, I loved life. I was, before this happened to me, I was full of life. I mean, I would still take my son to the Island of Games, the circus, the glow trotters, you name it, I was there. Like even like in pre-K, he, uh, he was always so close to me from the day he was born that I got stuck in pre-K for a month because of separation anxiety. And then we, that, even that summer when we went to camp, I had got stuck in camp for a week, and then that following Monday, he started crying, and I went to the camp. I said, my son's going to quit camp. I was so happy because at least I saved like 3000 towards pre-K. 
And and it was daddy camp. You know, I'd take him to Adventureland, get the yearly pass, and he loved going to the mall, riding like the merry-go-round at the source mall. Right. And then uh, I'd drop him off at the nanny and play golf for a little bit. So life was good, you know. And then my daughter was born, and it was the same thing. And then, unfortunately, they were, they were one and a half and three and a half, and I had my surgery. So, okay, so now, so you have that first surgery. Yes. And that's not the end. That's just the beginning. No, then I was making um, an incredible recovery. I was able to walk up and down 12 flights of steps without a crutch or any assistance. And I wasn't feeling well for a week, and my blood pressure was out of control. And, uh, you know, I called an ambulance. I thought I was having a stroke. They did a CAT scan from head to toe. And I found out I had kidney cancer. So, um, you know, I tried to get all the medical tests done in the hospital because if you do it on yourself, it'll take you a month. And basically a week later, I had part of my kidney taken out. But it set me so so far physically back that it was like rewinding the clock two years. So how many years? What was the span between that first surgery? Well, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't know if you remember me telling you when I was in the hospital and diagnosed with kidney cancer, my ex fired the nanny. I do remember that story. I have heard that story a few times. Yeah, so um, from the first surgery to the second surgery was approximately two years. Well, you know, some people would look at it like that uh, that was probably not a nice thing that she was getting rid of the nanny. And others, knowing Mike Rand, they knew that no matter what the hell you were going to go through, she knew that you would have it under control. I don't know about that. I was bent over and paid waiting for the bus, but, you know, all the time I spend with my kids, it's all a blessing. Listen, I'm being facetious. I think it's amazing, you know. So now you have that surgery, and that's, you're not even, you're not even done after that cancer. You just, I remember while we, while we were working on your stuff, you, there was, you know, you constantly were in doctor's appointments and, you know, exams. and Yeah, I, when we were going through the divorce, I don't know if you remember, I um, hurt my rib. I do remember. They and, brought it up during the case. Yeah, and I heard it roughing the house with my son, and I basically was walking around at a comic card two days in pain, and I went to a holiday party, and I said to my sister, you feel this bump here? I said, after I get the kids on the bus, I'm going to go to ER. My rib was gone, destroyed. They're like, did you have massive trauma? I said, I don't really feel anything from the chest down. I don't know what happened. And, uh, and I don't know if you remember the divorce. I had to go, because being a cancer survivor at a mass, they did a biopsy, and they held that against me because, boy, you had a biopsy, you're not healthy enough to watch a child. Yeah, and listen, I, I get it. And, you know, thankfully, like, uh, listen, it ended up resolving itself uh, to your favor. You have the kids a lot of time, um, more than 50%. And people, listen, people do things during uh, in litigation uh, they may not be so proud of. They were using that against you. It was, there wasn't much to use against you other than that. And, you know, you, you didn't waver. In your position, you know, and there are a lot of other people who would who would have handled themselves differently. You didn't. You stayed. You you stuck to your guns, and 
Um, and, and now that's here's here you are today. And now, like I said, I'm happy that we don't do the agreement. And I, like I said, I spoke to you before about it. I don't know how many people, like I said, trade a quarter of a million dollars to get visitational rights once a week just to go out to dinner. Because to me, that money was well worth it. Because if I was able to take my kid out to dinner 40 times a year for 10 years, the money was nothing. Yeah, well, and let's be clear. You don't see your kids once a week. You know, the kids are with you most of the time. And and I don't want to dwell on that. Yeah, I think your point, the takeaway here, especially for the listeners, is um, you're not sweating the small stuff. Keep your keep the eye on the prize. And here the eye on the, the prize were the children. And your position was the money's not worth it. I don't care. I'm willing to leave money on the table in order to get the custody deal, you know, at least 50% uh, was your position, uh, plus plus. Um, but I never even got 50%. Well, you did. You actually, you had, you have more than 50%. Well, now I do, but uh, not according to our agreement. But I thank God my ex realizes she needs me. Yeah, and we knew that that was going to be. And listen, I th- and without diving too deep in it, there, it one can argue that it actually is more than fifty-fifty in the document, but it doesn't even matter. Um, I, I take away, and I want to. The focus needs to be on how you were able to go through all this adversity, okay, and still keep focused on what's really important, because so many people get caught up in the the shit and the minutia and will fight over nonsense how did you how were you able to compartmentalize a lot because there was a lot of nonsense going on well like my kids were young and that was my focus and i didn't want to see them to be psychologically damaged or anything like that so at any moment i got a chance to i did an activity with them like my my daughter used to love wrestling, so I take her to a wrestling. I take both my kids to a wrestling match. And I get like seventh row ringside. She goes, "Daddy, why aren't we in the front row?" <laughs> so tickets go on sale for the next match. I like get ten in the morning. I call nine fifty eight. Spend a fortune. I get second row. I take it to the match. Daddy, why aren't we in the first row? Next, I know I look up on the scoreboard and there she is and. I DVR'd it, and she's on Monday Night Raw. That's awesome. You know, and like I said, I always always do something with them. Like my son and I would go to the Nick games, comic cons, the mall, movies. You know, just focus on the children and spend time with the children. That's great. Hey, we got a ticket guy if you need, so you don't have to like keep calling in. You know, well, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. And then I would take my kids to concerts all the time, and I'd take them to all these like '80s bands. And always get like good seats, and they see these small kids in the audience, and they'd always get drumsticks and guitar picks. So awesome! And like I said, I just want to build childhood memories that they'll never forget. That's fantastic. Because like I said, with my health issues, you know, I don't know how long. No one knows how long they're gonna be here. And I just want to say, you know, one day when I'm out here, Brad, the best dad. That's awesome. Yeah, I you know I I remember I see like on some of your posts they. I think you took the kids to like see Journey 
right? Oh, well, we do a lot of uh, sticks and Oreos. My daughter's favorite band is Oreo Speedwagon, but anything like a Jones Beach, or we do the, you know, go to uh, Westbury because it's a sport theater there. And, you know, we always sit the front row because they take good care of me because I'm disabled. Because I told them I can't stand up right. for concerts, so they, and I, like I said, I just can't get enough of them. Like, you know, we go to Rehoboth Beach every year, and we go to, like, you know, Great Adventure, like we'd go to California twice a year. You know, since COVID, things changed. I mean, they love going to amusement parks with me. There's no lines. Now, that's a, that's a great well, bonus. That is a big bonus. Now, when they, when they go with their mom, they eat it. Like, Dad, I sit in line for two hours for a four-minute ride. That's a really expensive. They get, like, top dollar, the guides. Like, yeah. Next time I'm going to Disney World, I'm yeah. going to bring you along. Let me tell you, Universal is so friendly. to that yeah. I got a pass for six people to skip lines so you can't beat it. I, and I can't go on anything. I think we just found a new income stream for you. That might be it. As long as it's under the table, you know? <laughs> so, so there are a lot of people, like, there are parents, you know, who will say, oh, I don't want to go to Disney World. I don't want to schlep around. It's 95 degrees out, and it's, you know, and here you are. You're doing all these things with your kids, and it's it can't be easy. It has to be a challenge for you going around. How do you dig deep and muster up your motivation to keep doing that well if i go to like a comic con or a concert or a ball game i am so sore the next day i can't tell you but you do it for your kids now when i go to um universal at disney it's very easy i'm on the motorized scooter and i'm hitting my marijuana vapor all day so i'm having the time of my life eating crap and just seeing the kids smile you know how it is as a father. There's yeah. nothing. It's priceless seeing a kid smile on your face. Awesome. And and that's what it's about. Like, I, even the holidays, I go overboard with the holidays, the birthdays. You know, like, and they're growing up so fast. And, like, I remember during the divorce, dude, you were like, oh, you don't send your kids to camp. I'm like, I am camp. I love it. You know, because I'd rather do something with them every day. And I'll find an activity sure. to with them. Um, and so what would you tell somebody going through this, about to go through this, um, you know, on the eve of trial, is there any wisdom that you would impart on them? Any wisdom? Divorce, like I said, is the worst thing in the life, worst things in the life you could go through. Try to be civil. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to deal with that person for the rest of your your life because you have children. And so, and and you say it's the worst thing you could go through. Um, you know, now looking back, um, you're happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank God my ex and I get along. She's not exactly ray of sunshine, but you know, I, I'm always nice to her. I'm always respectful. My kids see that. I, you know, even for our birthday, the kids' birthdays, we all went out to dinner for the first time, all four of us this year together. That's nice. And, and you know, we even during COVID, um, you know, it's very important for me to work out. I'd go to my old house and work out there and... Oh, where she lives. Yeah. I mean, so I'd house sit, she'd get the house painted, I'd stay in her house and house sit. So, I mean, we're very civil. I mean, 
unfortunately, I wasted too much money on you. I could have maybe, you know, but at that fair. time, at that time, and that, and that's just not you. That's my first two attorneys too. But I must say, you were the best by far. I appreciate that. Um, like I said, and it all works itself out. If you, like I said, it's all about the kids, and you got to move on in life, and. And let me ask you, so you, you had other lawyers. Um, if someone's looking for a lawyer, you know, is there something that you would say to them, like, hey, maybe you want to think about this? Well, that's where I made my mistake from day one. Everybody's case is different. And I was so emotionally distraught with everything going on. I had one of my friends say, let me you know, use my divorce lawyer. Well, you know, his wife was uh, a drunk and he got full custody and it was a whole different type of case and there wasn't as much money involved and I picked the wrong guy. And then I went to another guy who was supposed to be a power attorney, a player. And uh, like I said, they had my case for six months and I got over half my retainer back. They didn't even right. work on my case. And uh, then I had you, and uh, I must say, you were a gentleman, and you were receptive to my phone calls, and you'd give me some tough love when I needed it. Yeah, and but I think we had our, you know, we had our differences from time to time. But that's, you know, I think that's important for a client to to be able to have those conversations, those tougher conversations with their their lawyer. And if if they're not looking for that, they're go it's going to be problematic in the long run. But like I said, you know, we always had that nice bond where we'd go to court and go out to eat afterwards. I don't know how many clients you do that with. Not a lot, although I, I look like I don't really shy away from many meals, so. That's because she takes good care of you. <laughs> That's true. Um, and so as far as, um, is there any other, you know, kind of lesson having now been you've gone through the cheese grater it's much better now than it was when i first met you a hundred percent i'm a, i'm in a totally different place mentally the one thing i must say i had which i don't know if a lot of people had i had a lot of depression after my divorce oh is that right yeah i had a very very tough time for the first year and a half and and so and and so where do you think that came from because i know like it was really tough for you during the process right. um and so can you can you kind of elaborate and touch upon that well because well, i had you know such health issues and i i for like the first two years i was bedridden probably for a year and a half after the divorce and uh you know i would push to do stuff with the children but i had really no life for myself and just being in pain is just not a, you know, you'd figure you're like if your wife was there for you or your spouse was there for you, it'd be easier to go through. And, you know, I, when I was home alone, like on the weekends, it'd be terrible for me because I didn't know what to do with myself. So when you, like when the kids were, let's say, at their mom's. Yep. And how did you, how did you power through that? It was time heals all wounds. Um, it was very, like I said, it was terrible. 
like even now to this day when I don't have my children, leaves like a hole in my heart, you know, because wow. you know, I just like to have them under my roof. And like, um, I don't know if you ever watched the Goldbergs. No, I know oh. you, the <laughs> Jeff Garland. I am Beverly Goldberg. I smother my children. But like I said, I, I, that's what I do. I mean, what, even like when it comes to school, when my kids were in elementary school, I, just, I was at every party. They would tell me, give another parent a chance. Um, but like I said, I volunteer to be class mom, flag football coach. I love it. You name it, I do it. You know, like, I just want them to have the best childhood they possibly can. And, and I'm happy they go to a very good school system that would prepare them for college. And I remember one of the things during the divorce that was a big deal. Everyone makes a big deal. Oh, you do homework with the kid? After they certain age, none of us are capable of doing homework with that kid. So, I mean, let's be honest about it. And I'm happy, thank God, my kids have the Asian brain. Because if it comes to school, what I see, what I, would, I could have kept best fifth grade today. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Um, and so, so you have always put your kids first and it sounds like that not only helped you, you know, uh, through the divorce, but actually go through a tough time after the divorce and now able you, enable you to not focus on, uh, the chicken shit. So, because if you keep focus on that, keep focus on their well-being, you're not going to um, bring yourself down on other issues. Um, so, for people who are not dealing with the challenges that you have physically, what do you say to them to keep grounded? To keep grounded, well, it's really just stay. It's all about the kids, you know. Spend like I can't express enough. Just spend time with your children, because, like I said, if your children get screwed up, it's a lifelong problem, you know. And my father and mom were the best parents that anyone could have, and you know that rubbed off on me. You know, everybody's upbringing is different. Sure. Um, my ex is from a different country. You know, their culture is different. You know much different upbringing than I had. And it comes out in our parenting. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, my kids would rather be with me and do activities with me because, like they said in the divorce, I'm the fun parent. And there's nothing wrong with being a fun parent. Believe me, I make them clean up and do all this stuff, take out the garbage because I can't do it. So my, like even my daughter's great. Like um, she's 11 She'll cook, she'll do her own laundry. Um, That's said, amazing. They, they're very responsible for their age. Like my son was always the last kid, a late bloomer, last one toilet trained, uh, last one speaking. In elementary school, I had to get him a tutor. Like It was terrible. Um, now he's an A student. He, he expects anything but an A. Um, and now he wants to become an anesthesiologist because I guess he sees me and, um, I couldn't be any more proud of him. He takes more care of me than I do of him and he's, he's 13. Wow. He's a great, a great kid, great heart. Like, That's tough. And 
Um, so you were telling me a story uh, before we went on air, and you were talking about the uh, "Come on, I'll take you home," and I think that's a really special story. Can you share that? Yeah. Um, when I first got divorced, every time I would go to take my son to my ex's house, he'd start crying. And I'd be like, Jake, I got to drive you home. He goes, Daddy, I am home. It's amazing. And um, like I was telling you, even like a year and a half ago, when my ex was at my house and um, she was like, oh, Anna, why don't you come home with me? And she said it right in front of her, Bobby, this is my home. And, you know, that makes me feel so good inside. You know, you just gush where... Well, and it's, you know, it's not like they're necessary. They're not picking sides. It's, you know, us as parents, we need to be careful with what we say to our kids. They're extremely smart um, and they're very receptive. And it's, she didn't mean, uh, I'm sure your ex did not mean come home. It's her home. Right. You know, and just like you say, I'm taking you home because the the nice thing, you know, to come out of a divorce is that they have two homes. Some can say, no, it's not so great. I think there is something very beautiful of having two homes. They have two homes. And so to say, I'm going to take you home, you know, you weren't making your house inferior. No, and I, I want them to spend time with my ex. I want my ex to be the best mother she can be. That's awesome. And for your kid... To be smarter than the parents to say, no, I am all. That's just saying, you know, let's, let me take you to mom's house, you know. Well, I, you know, I have a very warm, loving home. Like, everybody who comes there, you know, it's, it's that type of environment. Um, I, It's cute. Like, I have, like, some women friends, and they love hanging out because my kids are younger, and I guess it brings back childhood memories. And like, sure. it's, it's just, like, such a warm my ex's home isn't warm like that and loving like that. So, but like I said, I, I'm happy that my ex is doing more with them now than she ever has. And, you know, I want to be, you know, in their life as much as possible. Sure. It's not all about finances. It's about being there when they, they need you. Sure. And do you have any regrets? Yeah, my one regret with the divorce was not getting my P's and Q's lined up, not going from the heart and not with the head, not interviewing attorneys. Um, I found out, um, and this is probably the biggest lesson I could tell anybody going through a divorce. Shop your attorney out before you file for divorce because once you get behind the eight ball, you're in trouble. And I felt with my first attorney, I really fell behind the eight ball. Mm even though you did a wonderful job cleaning it up, but you have, you know, and... There's still cleanup. Yeah. I get it. And and then, like I said, you know, I'm I'm very laid back and easygoing. Didn't look good on me. Well, wow, this guy has three attorneys. He must be a lunatic. Right. And I, would, I wasn't that guy. I was a victim of hiring bad attorneys. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. It's a really good point. Um, a lot of people in the matrimonial world will often move from one lawyer to the next. And there's a lot of different reasons. For you, there was justification. There are a lot of people who 
after a while, they don't like what they're hearing, so they'll go to find somebody that's going to tell them what they want to hear. Um, listen, there are a host of different reasons why, but I think you bring up a really valid point. It's important. This is an important decision. You should kind of kick the tires before, you know, you make that decision. And remember one thing you told me in the courthouse, you want justice, don't come in here. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, at the end of the day, at the witching hour before trial, I ended up negotiating a lot of the stuff with my ex. And she, she could have done that two years earlier. We didn't have to go through two and a half years of hell. You hit the nail on the head, and that's really... Most of these cases can get done at, you know, the kitchen table. And if the people focus like you on what's really important is that, and that's the children, instead of using the kids as pawns um, and get back at the, their soon to be ex spouse, it, it can go a lot quicker and you could save a lot more money. And my ex knew the only way she could really hurt me was taking the children away. Sure. There was nothing else. I mean, I'm hurt every day, you know, so. Like I said, they're the apples of my eyes. And I mean, I have so many videotapes on my phone, like even, because I'd get them on and off the bus, the highlight of my day would see them getting off the bus. And my my son would always hug me and my daughter would always torture me, pretend to hug me and sneak under my arm. That's all. Yeah, like even today, she's like a typical woman, just likes to torture me. <laughs> well, you know, uh, can I tell you a risque story about the for- boys? This is a good one. I, fu- you know, being disabled, I wanted to make sure my equipment was working because now I'm single, uh-huh. I'm ready to mingle. So I go for this, um, like sonogram on my penis, and then they inject me with something to give me an erection. So I think, you know, my erection's gone. They're like, oh, there's a gun. I said, yeah, it's gone. So then I got to go to the um, bank to get some money because, you know, me and my ex were running to take money out of the bank. I had sweatpants on. I go to get out of my car. I'm like, I'm like in high school, it's hard as a rock. So I like whip it up and like an idiot, I walk into the bank with one crutch. I think it came out where all the bank tellers were laughing. They give me my money. The bank manager, I'm the only one in the bank. The bank manager opens the door. I was like, let me help you with that. I never went back to that bank again. <laughs> so then I get home and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? It's rock hard. All right, let me try porn. I'm at it for like an hour and nothing happens. I wash up, I work out a little bit. I eat something. Now I'm like, it's, they did this procedure like at 10 in the morning. And now it's like 2.30 in the afternoon and I'm starting to be in a lot of pain. It's like those TV commercials. You have an erection four hours, go to the hospital. So now my kids usually got off the bus like at 3.30, and I call up the doctor like at 3, and they're like, Mr. Rand, you got to be in the hospital by 4. So I'm like, oh, gee. My kids get off the bus. Thank God they got off like 10 minutes early. And for some reason, my son didn't hug me that day. How was I going to explain that one in my pants to my son? So I go... I said, guys, daddy has to go right to the hospital. I go right to the hospital, and boy, that was brutal. You know, I got two little kids with me. I'm like, you guys got to wait outside the room. They basically stick a needle in your dick to get the blood. 
torturous. Wow. Now, for a guy who doesn't feel that much, it was pain. I can't even imagine for a guy who was full sensation. But it was... Uh, so let me ask you, what was worse? The divorce? Put the finances aside for a second. Or that? Well, the divorce. I've been through hell. That, that was nothing compared to what I've been through. I mean... Uh, okay. But, but like, you know, was, you know, I have some memorable time. My life now is a reality TV show. I mean... But we can, you know, we can... These guys, uh, they're mobile. They can... You know, it really is. You know, I have bad back. I have a masseuse who likes to drink, so I get loaded with her once a week, and she leaves me in bed passed out. You know, I used to smoke weed with my did housekeeper, but she just left me. Did you know... Well, hold on for a sec. Did you know that masseuse at the time... You maybe you didn't have to go back to the doctor. You could have just had the masseuse come over, and then the kids would have been fine. You know, they would have been everything would have been fixed before they got off the bus. You wouldn't have had to go to the doctor. Oh no, no, the masseuse that she's great. She cuts my kids' toenails and fingernails. She gives us old mani pedics. Nice. My son's spoiled. He likes his massages too. Got it. So you know, she's she's a great woman, but like, she likes to suck them down. So I, we have cognac. I have my two, three shots of cognac. I'm done. She makes the kids dinner, leave daddy in bed because he's not moving. But like I said, wonderful woman. Like I, I have like all these women friends that are very good to me. Like, you know, they put the blinds up in my home and order them and they do this in the kitchen. Oh, you need this or you need this. And they made my home an incredible home. That's awesome. And like you said, and uh, my kids were around a lot of women because I'd have three home care girls and right. when I was married I remember my ex would say to me which girl do you like which girl does Jake like and which girl does Anna like and we all had our own girls nice. and it was very cute because like you know Jake had his probably first crush on Diana and had the cookie would take Annabelle out for walks she loved little bit and Siobhan was my girl and they all had their own things and one thing I remember when I was first disabled, the only good thing is I got to shower with four different women in a week. Bragger. And how many men could say that? There you go. And I didn't even get divorced for that. So, like I said, divorce is a hard thing. You know, it, all I could say is try to just be civil and work with your attorney and get it done as quick as possible. Nobody's happy in court. And you know that I, I can't imagine you have too many clients jumping up and down for joy. No, definitely not. Unless some guy saved a ton of money or Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Yeah, but those cases don't see the inside of a courtroom, typically. No, never. And this may be somewhat of a difficult question, um, and you may have already answered it story before. Um, is there anything you missed? Is there anything you miss now? Now, like that you are physically disabled stuff that you think back or because oh. you're such a forward uh looker thinker you know you don't stress out about things you don't complain is there stuff that you you know wish you could still do i i, I wished i had my businesses still i wished i was able to do the physical like that. i wish i could play ball with my son sure that, that one's the one that kills me the most that i can't play hoops with him or i can't uh you know, I would sit there in the one chair and throw wiffle balls, you know, for batting practice, but 
Like, I'd, even if I tried to have a catch, I could only stand for so long without the crutches. And that's the one thing I miss more than anything. Because I was an athlete. I'd like to be able to express that. My son would be a much better athlete if I was able to play ball with him. As a dad, I completely appreciate where you're coming. And I, I promise you that if this lockout actually ends, which I hope it will soon, that we will be going to a game with our boys. Uh, I, I'm a man of my word, and that's going to happen. Well, otherwise, if they have, like, a um, scrub team, maybe they could hire me, someone give me, a, like, a contract to be on a roster. Listen, uh, both teams could use some help, so. Um, well, I, I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, you're truly an inspiration in so many ways, Mike. Um, and so just thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your friendship. Uh, I had a ball with you here. I'm going to have you come back anytime. I was maybe a little, maybe a little nervous the first time. It's all good. And so I ask every guest that comes on, okay, I know you don't know this because you don't listen to this podcast and I'm not going to hold it against you. Um, maybe you'll listen to this episode. Um, what is, so I'm a sneaker guy. Okay. All right. So I ask every guest at the end of the episode, what's your favorite, do you, what's your favorite sneaker? Okay. Well, as a guy who could barely walk, I am forced to wear New Balance. Okay. Well, New Balance is a good and, shoe. And that's all I could wear. I can't wear another shoe at all. Otherwise my back hurts too much when I walk. Really? Now, I don't know if you know this. When you go to a New Balance store, right? they'll fit you to your shoe to their disability. I love that. So, like I said, there's only certain shoes I could actually, certain New Balance shoes I could wear. So, like, lately, all I do is shop online. The sneakers I have, I have them, like, in eight colors because so I could accessorize my outfits if I go out. Because you don't want to wear, like, the white sneakers all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's all New Balance for me. It doesn't want. I don't want it to be New Balance. Yeah, but it's a great shoe. They're extremely comfortable. They make a great baseball cleat. But like I said, I'm happy with them. I'm happy just being on my feet. You know, like just waking up every day is a blessing, and people don't realize it. Amen. And like I said, even with divorces, everybody gets through them. They're so common today. You know that better than anybody. But, uh, that's something I promise I'll never do again. I'm too old to get married again. That's all I know. I love it. Well, thank you again, man. This was awesome. Well, thank you, Arthur. Sad. Thanks. <laughs>